Lord, with all of you this evening, I really, I say this every single time, but I mean it every single time. I'm excited to be here. It's a blessing to be here, uh, to pray and worship and hear God's Word, fellowship. So welcome once again those that are here, those that are online. And before we get things started, I know Pastor Tim just prayed. Let's pray once again. Um, settle our hearts, settle my heart, and we'll just uh, then dive into God's Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your love and grace. We thank You for Your sacrifice. We thank You for Your mercy, Your love, Your provision, Your example. You're leading and guiding, Lord, all these things. Lord, thank you doesn't seem to be enough. So Lord, we just pray now that you would be with us, fill us, give us your strength and your discernment. And Lord, that you would go before your word and prepare each of our hearts. Open each of our eyes and open our ears and our minds, Lord, to the things that you would have. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear your word. And we pray now, Lord, that it would be you that we all hear from this evening. And Lord, that your, your word would fall and settle upon our hearts. And Lord, that we would know and take action. Because, Lord, we want your will to be done. So thank you for being here in our midst. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Psalm 107 tonight. I always feels so good to just pray before you do anything. Psalm 107 is the fifth and final book of the Psalm canon, with the last Psalm closing at Psalm 150. You may ask, why are the Psalms divided into five books? Well, tradition dictates that the five books of the Psalms reflect the five books of the Torah, or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when you look at the books in general, and this has been said many times, but it bears repeating, book one emphasizes how God is beside us. Book two provides attention to how God goes before us. Book 3 reminds us how that God is all around us. Book 4 reflects on how God is above us. And book 5 points to how God is among us. And so here we are, reading this psalm. And what we're going to be discussing tonight talks about deliverance. So let's define what this is. De deliverance is defined by the internet, which is a wonderful source of truth, <laughs> as the action of being rescued or set free from something. Some other words in similar meaning are emancipation, salvation, release, and redeemed. And so, we're going to be looking at 
what we are delivered from, and maybe even tonight, you're hearing this, and maybe you're still walking in a manner that you know is rebellious to the Lord, sinful, or maybe just trapped in the heaviness in the weight of the emotion. And these things are important because we need to understand that with Christ, we've already have the victory over these things, even though they weigh heavy on our hearts. We simply need to put our faith and our trust in Christ because He's the one who delivered us from these things. But this isn't necessarily a message about salvation. In fact, it's, it's not. Now, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do this now. Because the Bible tells us the day is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I encourage you, if you're watching online or if you're here in the sanctuary and you've never received Christ as your Savior, cry out to the Lord right now and He will save you. But again, this isn't about salvation or even recommitting our life to Christ if we've walked away from God. Although, if you've done that and you're here watching and or listening online, Go ahead and cry out to the Lord and seek forgiveness from that, from that sin, whatever that was, in return. But what we're talking about tonight is surrendering. Surrendering our life fully to the Lord. We're talking about letting go and handing over the sin and the weight or the burden that we still carry talking about trusting in the Lord. And don't just believe in Christ, but believe Christ. Don't just believe in God, but believe God. Here's a couple of questions that we can be asking ourselves as we read through the psalm tonight and talking about it. The first question is, to whom does the psalm apply? To whom does this psalm apply? Second question, what are we delivered from? Now, in thinking about this question, here's a couple of words or a few words that we want to list out for you. Because some of these things we may be experiencing right now. And if not tonight, maybe you soon will be. First one is adversity. Who here has never experienced adversity? Daily, sometimes. Sometimes, several times throughout the day. Different things. What about trouble and distress? Here's a strong term. Misery. But I'm sure that term, that word, isn't far from some of us tonight. What about labor? Or affliction? 17 times today. 
destruction or oppression. I promise this message gets better. <laughs> what about sorrow? This is a big one. Sorrow. Who here is experiencing sorrow or watching online right now? Maybe even deep sorrow from the loss of a loved one? The recent prognosis from the doctor for yourself or maybe a loved one? Or sorrow that has brought about a lasting depression that that level of depression seems like it can never end, that will never be healed from. Some of that sorrow can be from decisions that we wish we had made or wish we didn't make. And the effects that we still feel to this day as we blame ourselves for whatever those things are. Now, that's a different conversation for a different day. But should you blame yourself? Either way, the pain endures and we feel like it's never going to end. Here's another question. What is the structure... This is falling off my ear. What is the structure of the psalm and why is that important? And how can this deliverance be obtained? So those four questions we'll be looking at tonight. Now there are other words that we can list here. There's other questions that we can ask. But as we read through the psalm, please note that each thing that we talked about just now is going to be mentioned. The words that we talked about are described in the verses that are to come. So let's pray over the word together and see what the Lord does with that. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, once again we come before you and we thank you for your word. Your word guides and instructs, corrects, encourages. Lord, it does everything for us that we need. So Lord, we ask now that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, that you would reveal things to us that are even hidden from ourselves. But God, you know. So Lord, do your perfect work in us now. May your word go forth and accomplish its purpose in us and through us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with Psalm 107, there's 43 verses. We're going to read all 43 verses because it's important to hear each of these words. And then we're going to peel back each layer from every word. Of, and I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> we are going to read every, all, all 43 verses together. So if you have your Bibles, let's read. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I love that. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands. From the east and from the west and from the north, from the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, 
their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to the city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in the darkness and the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We're going to hear that over and over again. And it's true every single time. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, we are afflicted. We're afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, and they go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land in the barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water 
in dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteousness, the righteous see it and rejoice. And all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is sharper than any two edged sword. Lord, it divides, it declares, It gives wisdom. So we just pray now, Lord, your word would accomplish its will. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, these psalms are written to be sung at different times. Can you imagine trying to remember all the lyrics of this one? That'd be a lot. So again, with 43 verses, we don't have time to go through each of these verses And it would even be difficult, I think, to go through some of them and even look at different pieces. I don't know that we would do the psalm justice if we did it that way. But what we can look at are things that happen in a type of repetition. And as we read through the verses, we do see some repeated descriptions, some praise, some very threatening situations. All different, but certainly difficult to navigate. And we'll see that there is a continued need for prayer. One prayer at the beginning of the day is absolutely where we need to start. But it shouldn't be where we leave it. We need to continue to pray throughout the day over all the many decisions that we make, the situations that we encounter, or really just to stop sometimes and give God our attention. And with that prayer, we see many divine responses to those prayers in these psalms, or in these verses, showing us and encouraging us that God does in fact hear and answer our prayers. Even if we don't see them right away, or when they don't manifest themselves in a way that makes sense to us, or that we think we want. And we also see this repeating call to thankfulness. Verse 8 as an example, oh that men will give thanks. Also something that we see, and kind of where we're going to spend some focus are five kind of different themes that we see kind of throughout the verses here. 
different issues, different situations, but all that require the Lord's help. So those five things are our way is lost, our freedom is lost, our health is lost, our hope is lost, and our home is lost. So thinking about these five things, this psalm starts out, though, in a wonderful way. Before it gets to the struggle, it sets our heart in the right position, our eyes in the right spot. Because it begins with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered out the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, See, we can give thanks to the Lord because He is good. He's always good. Keep that in mind as we explore these things and then kind of think internally, how do these things apply to me? He's always good. There's a lot of yeah buts. Yeah, but what about this? But what about this? We can still give thanks to the Lord because He is good. So, first one, our way is lost. Verses 4 through 9, as we read, talk about this wandering that takes place. Now, many attribute this wandering to the wilderness or in the wilderness to the return from exile in Babylon. Some attribute this wandering to the 40 years in the wilderness from Egypt to the promised land. I would say both are certainly true. But what about us? Right now, are we wandering? Is there something in our life that has us going in circles, around and around? And we talk about this often. But that's okay, because we need reminding. See, wandering is truly walking in with no direction, no compass, no purpose, responding or reacting incorrectly to our environment without the right perspective and not seeing things for what they really are. We're thirsty and we're hungry, and we believe in this false mirage this false reality that does nothing for us except bring us deeper into despair. It dashes any hope we thought we had. It doesn't even quench our most basic needs. Verses 4 and 5, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. See, this is how it is without the Lord. This is how it is sometimes even when we know the Lord. At least that's how it feels. And the enemy wants us to think that. The enemy wants us to believe that. But that's a lie. And we know better, 
but only because we trust in the Lord. And verses 6 and 7 remind us of that. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way, by the right way, that they may not go to a city, or that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. See, God brings us out of our wandering and desolation and leads us the right way. But we need Him to understand that. We don't see it for ourselves. And even as believers, even as followers of Christ, it's easy for us to get off track and get bogged down in what's going on right in front of our face without seeing the bigger picture. The second one that we're going to look at is our freedom being lost. Verses 10 through 16 talks about our freedom being lost with verse 10, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction in irons. Does our life feel like that sometimes, even as believers? Certainly, if we committed crimes, we should be locked up. That's why we have a system that provides that wonderful service. But our persecuted brothers and sisters, they're in shackles, they're in irons, for their faith. Now in this case, we read that this happened because the people rebelled against the Lord. But maybe our situation is different. Maybe we did. And maybe we're going through a trial. But we can be bound and afflicted because of somebody else. Or maybe a combination of both. Maybe we weren't at fault necessarily, but our reaction to it was inappropriate, was incorrect, was not in a way that gave God the honor and the glory that he deserved, or our brother and sister deserves. Either way, when it happens, it's really easy to blame the other guy. It's almost never our fault. Now, I remember reading about a court case. You guys have probably heard it, especially if you're into sports. I'm not. I just happened to come across it. And there is this individual who is accused of this really horrible crime. And they were tried, and the jury found them guilty. It really came down to a he said, she said kind of a situation, and the jury believed them. The individual who was sentenced was sentenced to many years. And had they really committed the crime, it would have been rightly so. But this was a rising high school football star. He may even have been like All-City or something at the time. A senior in high school. He was a prospect for many college teams, some really major universities, in fact. And of course, this court case and him being found guilty ended all of that. A couple of years later, 
the person who accused this young man of this crime confided in a friend that she wasn't a victim at all and only did it out of vengeance because he wanted to break things off to concentrate on his studies, to concentrate on his, the things that he needed to put place to start his college career. And she didn't want him to do that. So out of vengeance, this is what she did. And so here, here you have this young man, nothing but a bright future in front of him, now bound in irons because of a lie. But how many lies were told about Jesus? Or Peter? Or Paul? Or John? They were bound and afflicted in irons. And yet they persevered. They pressed on in Christ in this marathon that we call a race and ran the race in a way that was honoring to the Lord. Now, praise the Lord, this young man was released and began to make a life for himself. In fact, I think he was offered a walk-on spot on one of the NFL teams to try out. I don't remember the young man's name, but somebody here probably knows what I'm talking about. How can this be possible, though? Because verses 14 and 15 tell us he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Why would the Lord do this? His grace. Why would the Lord allow us to go through this to begin with? That's a good question. And we're going to get to that. The next one is our health is lost. Verses 17 through 22, and folks, the older I get, the more I'm aware of my health. The aches and the pains that come with age the cracks and the groans. Like, when did that noise come from? When did that start? You know, someone overhears you and it's, oh man, are you okay? Sounds like you're in a lot of pain. It's like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just standing up. I'm fine. <laughs> but these verses start out with 17 and 18, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. See, they found no nourishment from food. All the benefits of eating healthy had no effect on them, and their bodies began to suffer because of it. Their health began to fail, to the point where they're at death's door, or as the Bible put it, the gates of death. Every single person in this room or hearing online can relate to this on some degree or another. And again, as we read, these things were happening because of their transgressions against God. But these things happen even today, all the time. 
and for many different reasons. Growing up, my good friend, his parents lived next to this young couple. I was probably nine or ten maybe, I think. The couple was in their late 20s and 30s, so when you're that age, they're old, but they weren't, they were young. But they were big into fitness, I do remember that. My friends and I spent a lot of times in the mountains. Where my friend lived is literally right across the street was the mountain. And so we would just hop over the thing and go right up the mountain. And oftentimes we'd see this young couple jogging on the fire roads that kind of cut across the mountaintop. But one day this husband was at lunch with some co-workers. And he had just finished eating a salad because, again, he was a very healthy guy. He stood up to leave. He coughed once and fell right there dead. Young, healthy, strong. But it was his time. You would almost understand if he was unhealthy, if he eaten Oreos all the time. But he wasn't. He was in shape. And while these two instances, what we read in the Bible and this story that I just said, they're different in a lot of ways. But what's the same is this. God allowed it. It could be because of something we did, but God allowed it. It could be because it's simply our time. God allowed it. Now, could this guy that I mentioned transgressed against the Lord? Sure, I don't know. I didn't know him that well. I didn't know if he had a relationship with Christ. He could have. But even if he did, it wouldn't have mattered. Because whether it's something we're doing or not doing, God still allowed it. As we're going to come to see, God had his reasons for it. And really, we're not to question these things. We should only trust in Him, grow in Him, and grow through them. The next one is our hope is lost. How many times have we lost hope? When was the last time? Maybe today? Yesterday? Maybe it's going to hit us later tonight. Verse 26 and 27 say, They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Does this sound familiar? What storm are we facing? that gives us this idea where we can't seem to, can't seem to find a, any solid ground to stand on. We can't even seem to find a foothold without being tossed to the other side. We have no balance, and we're staggering to and fro. And what is it? What was it that snatches our hope like a thief and then we think, how long must this continue? Like we talked about before, is it a, because of the loss of a loved one? Regret? Fear? Depression? 
the unknown, maybe the known. Sometimes we feel hopeless when we don't understand something, and they continue to feel hopeless when that which is known becomes known. I don't know what happened. I don't have an explanation for you. But without God, there's no hope. There's no cure. No amount of money, alcohol, drugs, busyness, physical activity, yoga, none of those things can truly bring hope, true joy. We have to give those things over to the Lord. If you're feeling depressed, regret, fearful, any of these things, we have to give those to the Lord. Verses 20 and 29 said, Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. They gave them over. And He brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm, because only He can, so that its waves are still. Only God can. He is our hope. He is our only hope. Hebrews 16.9 says this of Jesus. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both cure, sorry, both sure and reliable in one which enters within the veil. R.C. Sproul said this of hope in referencing this verse. Hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promise of the future that God has made. God is our hope. Looking at the fifth and our final part of Psalm 107, our home is lost. Verses 33 and 34, we read about the wilderness, this barrenness, the dry land, about wandering where there isn't a way. Well, we know that this isn't our home, meaning here on earth, this place. We're sojourners, we know that. But the place we call home is still really important to us. Because it's still a place that we consider safe, a refuge, you know, like finally getting home from a long day at work or from a long vacation. We sit in our couch and we fall back in our favorite chair and <sighs> we're home. There's nothing like it. It's a place of comfort and rest. But in these verses, as the others, there is a reason that these things happen that disrupt or end this false sense of security. Verses 33 and 38 says, He turns rivers into the wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness. For the wickedness of those who dwell in it, He turns a wilderness into pools of water, and dry land into water springs. There He makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and sow fields of plant and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, that they may 
multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. See, God can judge the land because of disobedience or wickedness of the people, but he can also bless the land because of the obedience and the faith of people. And he can simply change things when we, when we need to learn something. How scary is it, though, when our home is under attack? At least we perceive it to be under attack by the enemy. But maybe what the enemy wants to do is use to destroy our home, God will allow to actually make it stronger. More filled with Him. And make us stronger, more filled with Him. God can change our circumstances. And the verses tell us He can change rivers into wilderness and water springs into dry ground. And while He can do these things, He may choose to allow us to walk through difficult situations. Not because He caused it. Let's get this straight. He didn't cause it. But He allows it that we may grow in certain areas. Because we endured and when we trusted in the Lord, we can grow in greater ways and reach more people for Him. We read in verse 39 through 42, when they diminished, they were diminished, when they are diminished and brought low, through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet He sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. This is His grace. Far be it for us to question that. In this closing verse, verse 43, whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. See, while we endure these things, they help us grow. They help us to see how much we need Him, rely on Him, not in ourselves. They help keep our eyes on the Lord and give us the strength and ability to ignore the enemy. And in these things, see His love and His grace and His will for us we see that accomplished. And it's interesting how these descriptions are vastly different. These five things we talked about, these real-life experiences and the application of them. But the story itself is the same. In that each can only be delivered from these things by Christ. Only God receives the victory or we receive the victory because of Christ, because He brings us through them, these various trials. And oftentimes these things that we suffer, the Lord allows to help refine us and draw us closer. It's never comfortable, but it's necessary. See, with God, if our way is lost, He can find us. He will give us the purpose, and the direction 
and will always be on our side. If we lose our freedom, we're never alone. Again, think about our persecuted brothers and sisters in chains because of their faith. Bound in iron. Not alone. These chains are made by man, but really, they're untouchable because of Christ. And folks, all these things, all these different things we talked about, we face every day. But God is still present in all of them. And because of that, because of His love for us, we are always in His hands, and nothing but His will for us can be done. F.B. Meyer stated, Consider the successive vignettes of this psalm. Love broods over the weary caravan that faints in the desert, visits the prison house with its captives, watches by our beds of pain, notices each lunch lurch of the tempest-driven vessel, brings the weary host from the wilderness into the fruitful soil. Love accomplishes this. Let's close tonight. As we close, I want to quickly discuss an excerpt from a book that I recently read. This book, Pastor Tim has mentioned a couple of times from the pulpit. He recommended it. I do as well. The book is called Steal Away Home. It's a book about the life of Charles Spurgeon, which we quote often, and a brother in Christ, Thomas Johnson, who Johnson was a freed slave who gave his life to Christ as a boy while he was enchained here in Virginia. And the Lord used each of these men in such incredible ways. I really do recommend this book. And in this situation, and maybe even our own, we can actually answer some of the questions of the why that we'd like to hang on to, that we'd like to get bogged down in. So Charles Spurgeon, in a very severe case of gout, he was afflicted. Held up in bed for five days, in pain, couldn't walk. But more than that, he suffered from great depression and sadness, and even had the occasional lie and whisper of doubt and defeat from the enemy. And it was these things, actually, that kept him in bed more than the pain from the gout. The depression kept him in bed. Now, we've read Spurgeon's writings. We've read his quotes. Does this sound like a man who suffered he has nothing but just beautiful and powerful things to say about Christ. And yet, he was afflicted. It's hard to believe that he suffered, and really suffered more towards the end of his life, but throughout his whole life. And it was in this enormous state of despair and pain and suffering, even to the point of stopping to even try. He, was, he had given up. that his brother Thomas Johnson came, a great friend of Spurgeon's, 
He found him and encouraged him to get out of bed and speak with him under this, the warm sun of the day and under the shade of a tree. There was a tree on the Spurgeon property that many people would come and ask Spurgeon questions. What about this? What about that? And it was under this tree that this dialogue took place where Charles was the one asking questions. And he was asking, why? Why, after all these years of service to the Lord, would I still be afflicted? Why would I still be in pain and suffering in the way that I am? And really the severity of it. It's excruciating. And why, being a man of God, would he continue, God, allow the enslavement of the enemy in this way by hearing and believing the things that the enemy was whispering to him? Now, the conversation between these two men was much longer. Please get the book and read it. It's a wonderful exchange. But with this question of why, and we're all guilty of asking why. Thomas, after some time, thinking, responded. And he responded to this question with his own question. Don't you love when people do that? But I ask you first. He asked, you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Charles answered, yes. So Thomas asked, <clears throat> who tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Charles thought about the answer. Well, Charles said the king. Thomas said, no. And you know better than that, reverend. And think about, think about what he said. He said, no king has that much power. And so he asked again, who tied the hands of those boys? Charles knew the answer. But he said nothing, really wanting for his trusted friend to say it for him. Don't we do this sometimes? Sometimes we know the answer, but it's encouraging and edifying, strengthening, and even healing to hear someone else we love and trust say the words for us. So Thomas said, breaking the silence, God tied the hands of those boys. He chose to place them in that furnace. Thomas said, it's never a mean thing to be chosen by God, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You were chosen for the furnace. Because in the furnace, when the coals burn the hottest, that's when all your human strength is melted. All your human pride is burned up. When the furnace of affliction burns hot, God says, don't worry. I chose this for you. You're mine, and nothing is going to crush you. Thomas added, 
if the furnace gets heated seven times hotter, you're not going to dread it anymore because the Son of God is walking right there next to you, right there in the glowing coals. Now, we all know this. This isn't new news to us. But many of us don't believe it. Sure, we believe it if we're talking to a brother or to a sister. We believe it for them. And we pray with them. And the things that we say are true. And we believe that they're true. But we seldom believe them for ourselves. Why? Why is that? It doesn't even cross our minds that this could be possible. Maybe we think we're different. Maybe we think our situation is different. We're in too deep, whatever it is. But instead of believing it, we sink deeper and deeper into despair and allow the enemy to reign over our sorrow. We try to figure out the whys and the hows and the whats and try to fix it ourselves. Last Sunday, remember what Pastor Tim said. Doing these things isn't helpful. He says we shouldn't try to figure it out. He said we just need to follow Christ. But instead, what do we do? We allow the enemy to impose his will in our life. We actually give Satan the ability to do so because as Thomas Johnson told Spurgeon, no, no king is strong enough to do it unless God allows it or we allow the enemy to do it. So God's plan and his purpose for us is so much greater than we can understand. For whatever reason, he counts us worthy to walk this walk, to be afflicted by the fire. Nothing that we did, but he finds us worthy to face these trials. But he's with us lifting us up. One of the reasons why we have a verse like Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. His purpose. So I'm going to ask, and I say it even to myself for various things, let go. And we need to encourage each other with this. Let go. And allow the fullness of God to fill you and allow His glory to reign. Let us all live our lives as a sacrifice for Him, to Him. And let the refining fire burn away all that is us so that He shines brightly through us. The Nazareth says it wonderfully, Psalm 51.12. Restore to me this joy of salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Let us all be willing to be tested by this refining fire and be truly set ablaze for His glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We pray, Lord, that You would continue to lead us and guide us and encourage us. Forgive us, Lord, where we've fallen short. Lord, we hand these things to You. Forgive us, Lord, where we hold on to the burdens that are too hard to bear. Lord, we hand these things over to You now. Forgive us where we, instead of asking why, or instead of saying, Lord, here I am, send me, we ask why. Forgive us of these things, Lord. We understand, Lord, through your word that to, to die is to gain. Help us live a life, Lord, that would bring you honor and glory. That we wouldn't be worried about the things that could come or that even do come. But Lord, that we would be focused on you and your will and that through the affliction, Lord, we know that we would be built up, strengthened up, equipped and anointed, Lord, for the things that you're calling us to do. We thank you for the trials. We thank you for the opportunities, Lord, that we need to draw closer to you. Lord, we just pray that through these things, you are glorified and that we can be used in a greater way for your kingdom. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That is it. Remember, this coming Sunday, Pastor Tim has disappeared. Um, and we finished the book of John, so I don't, I don't know where he's going to be. So come on out, and we'll, it'll all be a surprise to us. You guys are dismissed. God bless you.